Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru, or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. For those of you who've not been to one of these sessions before, we do these regularly every week. It's about 15-20 minutes and we just reflect on a verse of the Qur'an. We're going through it systematically and we pick out verses of the Qur'an that are related to finance, economics, uh, charity, money-related topics. And then you know we go through a quick tafsir and if anyone has any thoughts and questions, then we take those afterwards. It's just a bit of a reminder to make sure that we're regularly refreshing our iman, um, particularly given the kind of topics that we cover at Islamic Finance Guru. So the topic for today is a verse at the start of the fourth just of the Qur'an. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Qur'an, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ You will not achieve righteousness until you donate some of what you cherish, some of what you love. And whatever you give is certainly well known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you will never attain righteousness. You will never attain bir. You will never attain this piety until until you give from that stuff that you really love. And whatever it is that you give, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is certainly well-knowing of that thing. And when the Sahaba, they heard this verse, Talha in particular, a Sahabi radiallahu anhu, and when he heard this verse, he had a really nice garden at Bayruha. And it was a garden that had a stream running through it, and it was beautiful. And the Prophet ﷺ, he actually used to go there and drink from its water. For those of you who've been to Arabia and have been to the farming areas of Arabia, you know how important and how beautiful seeing an oasis or seeing greenery amidst a desert is 
for people. And so for Talha, this was a big deal. This was the most beloved thing to him. And Talha, he said, well, if that's the most beloved thing, then that's the thing that I'm going to give away. And so he gave away all of it. And then he came to the Prophet and he told him that this is what I've done because that's the most beloved thing to me. And the Prophet said, well done to Talha. He said, it is a profitable property and it is a profitable property. I have heard what you have said and I think it would be proper if you were give it, gave it to your kith and your kin. And then Talha, he did that. He gave it to his family. So there are a couple of lessons that we get from this, probably more, but a few lessons that I immediately thought of. One was the fact that the Sahaba, they were instantaneous in their acting on a commandment. They didn't delay until tomorrow or the day after. They were decisive, they knew what was right, and then they did it, and they knew what was wrong, and they avoided it. And this is actually something that is, you know, you get over time, you train yourself up, and you get yourself to that level of discernment between right and wrong. This is actually something that you should pray for. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqa wa razuqna itiba'a wa arina al-baatila baatila wa razuqna ijtinaba Oh Allah, make us see the truth as the truth and give us that truth and the ability to go towards that truth and follow it and show us the batil as batil show us the evil and the wrong wrong and the falsehood as falsehood and help us to stay away from that uh, and help us to stay away from that so this is actually something that we should be asking for this is not an easy thing to achieve this is but if you achieve it then the practical implication of that is you become much more decisive and very quick at being able to take the right decisions from a shari perspective and being able to take the right spiritual decisions as well in this case. And the second thing that is really interesting here is that Talha was rewarded by the Prophet by you know giving this dua for him. But then the Prophet actually said, you know what, Talha, you should give this to your family. So giving to your family is such an important part of sadaqah, full stop, that you actually get rewarded for giving sadaqah to your family, your, your children, your wife, your wider relatives. These are people that you get rewarded for keeping that money within the family. You know, normally people think, well, you know, uh, we want to keep the money within the family and they think of that as a bad thing. In Islam, that's actually a good thing if you're doing it with the right intention. And there are concentric circles of our responsibility. And the first person that we are responsible for is ourselves. We need to make sure that we are saving ourselves from the hellfire. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, nara. He says, protect yourself. And then he says, your families from the fire. So we have a direct responsibility to look after our families from the hellfire. But also we have a direct responsibility to look after them in this life as well. And then there's a second hadith that is fascinating and it makes the same point. Umar anhu, when he heard this hadith, he said that the most beloved of properties to me is my share of Khaybar. And for those who've been to Khaybar, it's this beautiful, verdant, green area uh, near Medina. You know, it's very, very lush. And you can imagine why someone would value such a thing. And Umar anhu, when he asked that question, the Prophet said to him that you should retain the land and then you should give its fruits in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you should habis al-asl wa sabbil al-thamra. You should keep the origin, you should keep the capital, 
but then you should spend from the profits. So it makes it a sustainable kind of giving that lasts for a long, long time. There's a bunch of lessons here again. The first is, of course, again, Umar who he had that knack of doing things decisively and he did the right thing. He asked Prophet what he should be doing with this particular wealth. Prophet he told him. And again, we get guidance here that, you know, we shouldn't just give willy-nilly. You know, Prophet is giving a very strategic advice from with his charity. When we get to charity, when we start thinking about charity as Muslims, we kind of switch off our cognitive aspect of our mind and it just becomes the pure emotional animal within us that suddenly starts giving charity. But charity is not giving for our own pleasure. Like, it, you know, such charity makes us feel good. We shouldn't hide that fact. It, it makes us feel good. We should acknowledge that and we should appreciate that is not why we ultimately would, should be giving charity. Charity is not something that is a feel-good thing. In many ways, you know, sometimes people, and maybe I'm being slightly prejudicial here, but I think, you know, women, but also sometimes men feel nice after having a good cry, right? It's a very emotional thing. But it's in a similar in the charity, charitable sense where you feel good after giving a good bit of charity. But that's not why you do it. You do it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do it to attain piety. And that's what really makes a difference. So part of that is to make sure that you're actually actively thinking about where you give that charity. So don't just give that charity anywhere. Do it in a way that's sustainable. Think about where the impact is going to be the most. Don't just give it to the place that you've always given it to and you don't have any sense of how useful that money actually is, how impactful that money actually is, how much more it could be useful in the UK, for example, etc., etc. So... Prophet he's giving us a really, really deep lesson here, which is that we should think about what we do with our charity. And Umar al-Anhu, he was very right in his approach here in asking what he should be doing with charity. Another couple of points that I wanted to make here was this links to Ayatul Bir, the Ayah of Bir in Surah Baqarah. Uh, which talks about how righteousness is not that you turn your face towards the east or the west but true righteousness is the one who believes in Allah the last day, the angels, the books and the prophets and gives his wealth in spite of love for it the will, uh, he gives in his wealth in spite of his love for it to relatives, to orphans, the needy, the traveller and those who ask for help and for freeing slaves and who establishes prayer and gives zakah and who fulfills their promise when they promise and it goes on to the end of the verse. The really interesting thing here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is making the same point again that they spend from their wealth even though they love it. Even though they love it, they spend. And he gives an explanation of the places where, they, where you should be spending. And the first one is the relative. The next one after that is the orphans and the needy and the traveler. So these are concentric circles of responsibility to you, right? If there is an orphan in your community, after you've looked after your relatives, the orphan has a responsibility as a duty. You know, you have a duty to look after the orphan because no one else will be able to do that. Then the needy and then the traveler. So there's concentric circles of responsibility that we should think about when we give to charity. And the Quran, when I talk about this giving up something, why does Allah say we should give from that which we love? It's because we're giving something up. It hurts us in some way, shape or form. It's a sacrifice. It's painful to give away something that you really, really cherish. But that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Why does he want that from us? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, 
in the Quran about the Muhajireen and the Ansar. They love those who emigrated to them and find not any way in their breasts. Wanting their breasts for what the immigrants were given, but give them preference over themselves, even though they are in privation. So they give preference over themselves, even though they are in a really, really difficult circumstance. So the Ansar, they were giving preference to the people who were coming, the Muhajireen, and they were really helping them out and giving the better half of their wealth to the Ansar, uh, to the Muhajireen, and even though they were still struggling. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says something really profound, which goes to the point. And whoever is protected from the stinginess of his soul, it is those who will be successful. Because when you are able to control your nafs, when you're able to control your soul and put that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants before that which you want, you've nailed it. You've cracked it. That's the puzzle of life. And we've just solved it. And charity is a way to train you to do that most effectively. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, It is neither their flesh nor their blood that reaches Allah, but that what reaches Him is the taqwa on your part. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the sacrifice, the dhibh that we do for Eid al-Adha and the sacrifice there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you know the meat and the blood isn't what's relevant about this act of sacrifice and you're going to give away a portion of this to charity. What is actually relevant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is saying, is the act of obedience to him. You putting what he wants before what you want. And actually, the whole vista, the whole system within which we live, thus he has made them, the animals, subjugated to you. Thus he has made this world, you know, subjugated to us so that you proclaim Allah's glory for the guidance he gave you and gave good news to those who are good in their deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this entire life is about using the circumstances around you in a way that you are proclaiming Allah's glory. You are putting him, uh, giving him the maqam that he deserves and treating him the way he deserves to be treated. And that means that what he wants comes before what you want. And you are putting yourself in the right maqam that you have, which is as a servant and as a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this act of charity, this act of giving from what you love, is that act of you putting yourself in the place that you should be in the wider order of things. And whenever things are out of that order, that is where things go wrong, both in this life and in the hereafter. So those are just some brief thoughts that I had. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us to become from those who have uh, taqwa, uh, from those who have al-bir. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from those who subjugate ourselves to the Almighty in a way that pleases Him and, and He is accepting of it and guides us to the straight path. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.